From the bottom of our heart, we magnify you and thank you for all that you have done. Thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace to us. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just one more time. Can we do that to him? Come on, let's worship him and praise him in this place today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you today. We love you today. What a great, wonderful presence of the Lord that is in this house. Very privileged to be standing in the presence of a great, wonderful God. Hallelujah. And to thank Him for all that He's done for me and His goodness to me. Could never thank Him or worship Him enough. Amen. Could never praise Him enough. I, I tell my children uh, this on a continual basis. The other day we had one of those services where a lot of people were around the altar and we were worshiping and juking and jiving and having a great time. And I danced by one of my boys and I grabbed him and I said, I just want to let you know, I just turned 50 last week and you're still not going to out-worship me. And I just kept right on dancing. <laughs> hey, it's getting harder, I promise you. As older I get, it's getting harder. Uh, but I've made up my mind. I know more than they know. God's been better to me than he's been to them. He's been better to me, longer to me than he has been to them. I am going to praise him and worship him and magnify him. I'm not going to cruise my way in. Hallelujah. I've got my mind made up. I'm going to let him know how wonderful he really is. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles with you, I want to turn to the book of Romans. Chapter number 9. Romans chapter number 9. And uh, this is going to be just a little bit lengthy, so I'm going to let you be seated right now, and everybody is going to say, thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, Romans chapter number 9, and we're going to read a few verses of Scripture, starting with verse number 1. And when you have it, say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It says, I say the truth, and you can tell your pastor is short. I need, I need one of those that had that little 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 and it just. <laughs> I preached at one guy's church and he's really big and I I got up there and it was like the, the bottom of it come right here you know what I'm saying I was just like looking at my Bible like right there and like well, this is pretty cool <laughs> feel like I'm preaching cross eyed you know like Jesus <laughs> but he's not here so I can say stuff about him. Says I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could, could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory, and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the promises, whose are the fathers, and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, uh, God blessed forever, amen. Not as though 
the word of God hath taken none effect. For they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted for the seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children, being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had afore prepared unto glory? I'm, I'm going to stop right here. I was going to read the rest of it, but it, it's, it's long. And um, it has some great things to say, but I, I'm just going to stop right here. And I, I want to preach today. And it's not, it's not a very good for an evangelist to read 900 scriptures um, before he preaches. That's not normal, but, but uh, I'm not a normal evangelist. So. <laughs> um, but I, I do want to preach just for a few minutes on, on this subject, the undeniable gift of mercy. The undeniable gift of mercy. Now, Paul... Is, is very heavy. And the Bible says that he says this statement, that he says if there was a way for me to be accursed, if there was a way for me to be lost and go to hell so that you could be saved, he said, I 
would do that. Now, I know that some of you may say, uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, I like a lot of people, but uh, I'm sorry. But I just want to say, if you have children here today, you know exactly what he meant. Especially if you have a child that does not live for God and you are praying for them today, if there was a choice that you could make to save that child, I promise you today we'd make that choice. We'd make that choice. Not everyone who thinks that they are saved are. Just because you obey the Bible, just because you come to church, just because that you are better than your neighbor, just because you have made some steps uh, toward God doesn't automatically mean that you are saved and just obeying the Bible doesn't make you righteous. Scripture tells us that righteousness comes through the promise and he gave us two examples. His first example was a promised son called Isaac. He said, Sarah, at this time next year, you are going to have a child. Not just because your name is Ishmael and you are an actual son of Abraham does that make you a promised child. The promised child was a miraculous promised child through faith. Both sons were blessed but only one son was the son of promise. One of flesh and one of the spirit of faith. And so he gives us this example and says that it's not just because of who your mother or your dad was. It was not just because that you have a lineage. It was not just because that your mom and dad go to church that you're automatically just kind of whittled your way in to the Lamb's book of life. That this is to every generation a promise of faith that you have to grab and take advantage of. Amen? And then the second promise and then the second example to us was to Rebecca, which was the wife of this promised child, Isaac. And uh, one day she is expecting twins and there is a war going on in, inside of her. They're wrestling. She, she knows this is not normal. And so she goes to God in prayer and says, God, why is this war going on inside of me? God began to talk to her and say some things today that I don't understand. Now look, I'm I'm not going to try to help you understand some scripture today, all right? I'll leave that to your pastor and to the the people that teach the Bible colleges and all that. I'm going to tell you, I've heard a lot of explanations and they still don't make much sense, all right? But here's what God said. He told her, he said, inside of you there are two types of people. There are two sons, and there are two types of people, even two nations inside of you that I just want to let you know before one of them have done anything good or anything evil, I want to let you know now that one of them have I loved and one of them have I hated. I'm going to tell you today, 
I do not understand that statement from God. That how he could say to somebody before they've done one good thing or one bad thing and say, I hate this one, but I love this one. I don't understand that, okay? I'm being honest with you today. I don't understand that. I don't understand, nor can I help you understand that statement that God hates something. There's a lot of explanations. That's not my job today. I just want to let you know I'm not God, and neither are you. All I know is that God is righteous. All I know is that there is no unrighteousness with God. He is loving. He is kind. He is merciful. He is sovereign. Hallelujah. And he said there is no unrighteousness with God. Yes, there are some things I don't understand, but there are some things that I do understand is that he loves me, that I can feel his presence today that I know what his mercy is and I'm so happy for the grace and the love of God Hallelujah. he is not asking for you to help him he is not asking for your opinion he is God and he does everything according to the counsel of his own will. Now I'm really honest with you today. Already I feel that there are people kind of bowing up. You know what I'm saying? Just like, well, what, do you, well, what, do you, what do you mean that God hates somebody and, 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 and he can just choose whoever he hates? And, and I, we, we don't understand that kind of thoughts toward God. We've always heard God is love and he is. God doesn't just show love. He is love. There's a difference. I show love, but I'm not love. But God said, I am love. I'm love. <laughs> I don't understand when God chooses to judge something and hasn't chosen to judge it in me yet. And you know what I'm talking about. You watch God judge somebody. And whenever you see it, the moment that you watch God judge it, immediately you think, Ooh, I'm glad that it wasn't me. I'll be honest with you. Those preachers that get out now and start looking around at people and call people out and tell them to stand up and start telling stuff about them, when I hear they're coming to my church, I spend a lot of time praying and asking God to forgive me for stuff. <laughs> I'm just going to be really honest with you. I pray about stuff that I don't even know about. <laughs> you know, I just start thinking, God, if there's anything in my heart that's not right with you, would you forgive me right now? I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over my soul, my spirit. <laughs> God, if my wife is cheating on me, God, hide it right Right now, don't let that man call it out. Call it when I get home. Believe that. God help me, Jesus Lord. And when he starts up my aisle, I want to go to the bathroom. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm out. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm going to go to the restroom and I'll peek in and see he's already done. All right, I can come back. It kind of scares me. I'm just being honest with you. I'm human. Amen. I don't know about you, but I, I, I've been in a church before where the pastor stood somebody up. You know, so it's like, stand up right now. And I thought, well, Lord, what is he going to do? And he starts talking to him, telling you ever do that again. I'm telling you, I won't let you come, man. I'm thinking, oh, God, in Jesus' name. <laughs> it's just like when you line your kids up and you make all of them watch, you give one of them a spanking. <laughs> Every last one of them are standing there like, <laughs> 
Woo! Lord Jesus, keep me near the cross. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, it works. You spank one of them and you look at all of them and they're, so they're glowing with the angel halo. They've already repented. They've already changed their whole future. I mean, they're ready to go. <laughs> they're going to convince you, I don't need that. And you're very thankful that you wasn't that one. I don't know why God chooses some people. I don't know. But the Bible says that he said, I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. <laughs> There's some things I don't understand. The Bible says his ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways, the scripture says, are past finding out. But I do know he's sovereign. I don't know how God can say to a mother, hey, you got two kids. Can you imagine your pastor coming up to you? Hi, sister, how are you doing? Well, I'm too good. Big as a cow. And, and uh, it's just carrying two kids around in you. I mean, it ain't fun. One is enough, but now I got two. And you've heard about those people that had like three or four or five. Good Lord, just shoot me now. You know what I'm saying? Just, just take me out of my misery. That, that's why the God didn't ask a man to have a child. He knew he wasn't going to ever get a child. He got one, just one. <laughs> and then they were getting beat. <laughs> and they would die at an early age and there would be nobody else. God would have to start in a whole new race. Uh, we can't handle it. But he, he tears his mother and says, and can you imagine your pastor looking at you and going, yeah, you got two in there, huh? I just want to let you know now there's one of them in there I don't like. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you right now, you're going to have two of them. One of them I'm going to allow to come to my office. I'm going to give them candy. I'm going to tell them all the good things. The other one, I'm not going to like them very much. Just want to let you know now I ain't going to like them. They ain't never going to get any candy from me. And, and you know what I'm saying? As a mother, you'd bow up. You, you, you'd be out there looking at the phone, but let me say, the Pentecostal church in the greater Jonesboro area. Let's see here. There's one. Let me call and see. You know what I'm saying? That's what you'd be doing you know, right, right now in Jesus' name. Lord, direct my path. I ain't saying that's what you'd be doing right now. Because that, that would be a little bit rough. Now, once you have them and you know how they act, you can see it. I like that one. Yeah, I, like, I mean, I have four. And there's times I've walked into my wife and said, hey, I don't like this one. Can we give it back? <laughs> this one's acting too much like me. <laughs> and I want to send it back. And maybe just send it through some kind of schooling or something like you know how you send a dog to obedience school? <laughs> that would be so great, wouldn't it? Now, Johnny, you're going to stay here for about three months. They're going to beat the tire out of you. <laughs> but when you come back, you're going to be such a good kid. See you in three months, buddy. Uh-uh. This is what God says. He walks up to someone, and he says, you've got two children inside of you. One of them I hate, one of them I love. No explanation. And walks off. I'm sure that woman was like, hey, thanks. I appreciate that. He said the elder is going to serve the younger. Never. 
in the history of being an Israelite, never in the history of being a Hebrew child was this ever acceptable. Every child, first child was born, was given the birthright. No matter if they were an idiot or not, they were given the birthright because they were the firstborn. But here's God saying, I'm changing it right here. The elder is going to serve the younger. Can you imagine when this child was, these two children were born and, and they started walking around and they started doing things? I'm telling you, and in the back of her mind, she was thinking, man, this one God hates. I love him, but God hates him. What, what's the deal? I, I don't understand that. I, I'll be honest, and I'm not even going to try to explain it to you. You're going to have to go eat a hamburger and figure it out. <laughs> But I, I'm going to tell you, I don't understand. Now, Calvinism tells us that you don't have a choice when it comes to salvation. This is what Calvinism says, and it's wrong. But I'm saying Calvinism says that no matter what you do, you cannot save yourself if God didn't pick you. And if God did pick you, there's no way on earth you can be lost. It doesn't matter what you do. Well, we know that that is wrong because the Bible said, whosoever will, let him come. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I thank God that that is a wrong, a wrong spirit. You look at Scripture, and we don't understand certain things. Uh, but, but I'm telling you, I know that God has given us the greatest gift of choice and says, choose you whom you're going to serve. Hey, he said, I set before you blessing and curse. I set before you life and death. I set before you heaven and, and hell. You're going to have to choose you this day who you're going to serve. I want to tell you if you're here today and you've felt the presence of God and you've felt mercy and you've felt the love of God you ought to be so happy there ought to be a shout within you that says he didn't have to pick me. He didn't have to give me a chance. He didn't have to let me hear the gospel and if he did I'm so thankful for it. I'm not just going to sit there. I'm not just going to coast. I'm not just going to let that go. I've going to take advantage Abraham asked this question because he, he did he got some questions people probably gave him a little email gave him a little text message hey pastor enjoyed your message today but let me I got a quick question to ask you you said something about that he has mercy on whom he has mercy and and is there unrighteousness with God? And he texts back, God forbid. <laughs> I, I like it. I remember back, I, I, my pastor could just tell me things. He just looked at me. I remember, I remember this. I, I, I was dating this girl, and, I, I, man, I was, I was up to here. I was like, thank God. She must be half blind because she's like three times more good looking than me. And I ain't that bad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, so that was real high. <laughs> I mean, some of you would say that you're, you know, that much higher than you, and that still ain't but high. <laughs> and I try not to make eye contact with anybody in this middle. <laughs> Thank God we already took up the offering. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but with me, that's, that's really high. <laughs> And I remember I was dating her, and all of a sudden he come by me one day, called me in the office, and he said, Son, I want you to dump that girl right now, and I want you to start preaching, and I don't want you to mess with her anymore. I didn't go home and go, Well, who did he think he is? 
Well, I think she's pretty good. I mean, she's, I, man, what, what in the world's wrong with him? He, no explanation. He, she, he didn't say anything. He said, hey, get on with it. You know what I did? I cried. <laughs> and I, I said, I'm done. And uh, that's the way it was. Nowadays, it's just like the pastor will talk to you, and, and you're going to go get everybody else's opinion about it. God will give you something or say something, and you well, I just didn't agree about that. I, I think, you know, I remember I heard this one guy say that it was okay, uh, and, and now he's... We, But this is the way God responded and said, look, uh, there is no unrighteousness with me, okay? I just want to let you know I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy, and that, that, that's it. I, I'm going to tell you that it's his choice because I'm not God. But if I do have a shot at being saved, it's not because of something that I have done that causes God to take notice of me. He said, no man can come unto the Father except the Spirit draw him. And if the Spirit is drawing you, you ought to be thankful for that. There ought to be something in your spirit that says, hey, I don't understand all of that, but if I'm here and I can feel his presence and I'm here and I have an altar and I can feel him talking to me, I ought to be thankful. I ought to be thankful. There ought to be something inside of me. If I have a chance at being saved, it's because God has shown me mercy. And how much mercy he shows me, or how long he shows that mercy to me, is up to him. And you... You are sitting here not because you even decided to be here. You're here because God has shown mercy to you. We're sitting here and we've heard the truth and some people have never heard it. There is not one person in this room that deserves to be here more than five minutes. And yet you are here. You've made mistakes. You've made promises and broken them. You've sinned. Scripture says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But you're here. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. You're here. And some of you don't even want to feel God. And yet you feel Him. Some of you had no desire to really have a breakthrough today. You're just here to check a box off and say I went to church and yet you still feel God some of you are resisting him and yet you still feel God honey I'm telling you that's because God is merciful and he's loving and he's kind and he wants to save you more than you even want to be saved he wants to bless you more than you even want to be blessed look at Pharaoh Bible said God hardened Pharaoh's heart. I mean, Pharaoh, I mean, he was like, hey, let my people go. He was like, no. He says, all right. And the first plague came. And Pharaoh said, I changed my mind. Get out. <laughs> and God said, not so fast. Pharaoh was trying to let the people go. And he was like, mm-mm. And God got in Pharaoh's heart and said, hey, change your mind. And he goes, hey, I changed my mind. And God sends another plague. And immediately, as soon as that plague comes, he was like, ah, get out. God said, mm -mm, not yet. <laughs> See, some of you are thinking, 
I don't like that kind of God. <laughs> I wish you would have never read to me Romans 9. But that's in the Bible. And some things we just don't understand. And you know what? Another person got on a text message and says, hey, hey, Paul, just want to let you know. Hey, um, then why does God continue to find fault in us? Who has resisted his will? And this is what Paul, you notice that Paul's answer was not an answer. <laughs> his answer was this. Hey, who are you? <laughs> Aren't you glad for a loving pastor? That when you ask him questions like that, that he, he doesn't look at you and say, who are you? <laughs> who do you think you are? Won't you just go back there and sit down with your ugly husband and your kids <laughs> and just enjoy church, all right, and leave me alone? <laughs> You'd be in the phone book. Let me see here. I hear <laughs> But Paul said that. He said, who are you, O man, that you would answer against God? <laughs> Paul must have been an evangelist because evangelists say stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Evangelists. <laughs> I remember I was in church service one day and everybody was worshiping this one guy. And it just makes me so mad. You know, because when I'm here, I want everybody to worship. And I noticed that everybody was worshiping this one cantankerous old man. I thought, you know what? I'm going to make him mad. <laughs> and so I just went back there, and in the mic, I started talking to him and asking him so everybody could hear. <laughs> he wasn't happy. <laughs> God probably wasn't happy. <laughs> I wasn't happy. <laughs> I should have just let it go. But us evangelists, you know, that's just what we do. We're just there to provoke people. You know why? Because I'm leaving in the morning. <laughs> It's not that I love you, don't love you. I do. <laughs> I just want to see you worship before I leave. <laughs> because that one person is going to go to the pastor and say, I didn't, I didn't like that evangelist. <laughs> and that's going to make me look bad because the pastor's not here. And I want everybody to say how good he did and all that stuff so he'll have me back. Then, then if I come back, I'll be better. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but this is what Paul says. He said, who are you that you would answer against God? He said, if it was up to God, and it is, if he said out of the same lump of clay that he makes two vessels out of, that he takes one vessel and makes it a vessel of glory and the other one of dishonor, it's up to him that he said, so it's not up to you that willeth, nor that he that runneth, but it's unto God who shows mercy. I want to tell you if you're here today, it's because God has shown mercy to you. I don't understand everything, but I do understand that if I can have mercy and I can feel his love, I need to take advantage of it. I need to understand that it wasn't me. It was God that looked at me and said, I want to save you. He has given us the greatest thing he could ever give us. And that is choice. I'm going to tell you something. Thank God. Oh, thank God. That my mother didn't pick my wife. Oh, because I remember when I was younger, my wife, my mom would always tell me, I want you to marry this girl. 
And I just saw her the day, other day on Facebook. And Oh, let me tell you something. Hey, every once in a while I just go to church. And you say, what are you worshiping for? Because God have mercy on me, Lord. Look at the other guy. He's standing there like, thank you, Jesus. I don't know what I did to deserve that, but thank you, Lord. Thank you. You Choice. I get to choose. God has given you the great gift of choice. But I'm going to tell you today, you wouldn't even have a chance at a choice. If God didn't look down at you and say, hey, I think I'm going to start moving on that person and I want to save them. I want to, the Bible says you can't even come to God unless the Spirit draw you. And if the Spirit's drawing you, it's because God has shown you mercy. It wasn't because you were good. It wasn't because you were the greatest out of your family. It wasn't just because of all the things you've done. It was because God has shown you mercy. I want to tell you it's an undeniable gift that's called mercy. And I'm here today because he loves me and he has mercy on me and he chose to save me and so my response is thank you Jesus my response is I'm going to live with everything that's in me I'm going to praise you I'm going to become a fanatic I'm going to thank you for what you've done we've earned a shot at salvation it's not just because we were born it's because God has shown mercy to us. And we need to reverence and fear that kind of God that holds our soul in His hands and has the right to condemn or to save and has chosen to save you or to at least give you a shot at salvation. He, he said this. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Can you imagine that God has come to your house, come to your family, has come to your life? You know, I'll to be honest with you. I don't know how you got here today. I don't know how you got here. I don't know your story of how you came into this church or into salvation and what your story is. Let me tell you a little bit about my story. My, my grandmother was way back before the Depression. And, and, and as the Depression began, they moved from Oklahoma and started out to, toward California. And uh, they, they, didn't, they didn't have a lot of churches around. They had several miles to go to church, and a lot of them didn't even go to church. And they would have like little church services in their homes. They'd just meet at families' homes, and they'd pray a little bit if they were religious. They didn't really know very much about a Bible. They, they had one. They kind of know what they believed or whatever and just kind of read the Bible and tried to be good. Every once in a while they'd go to church and it would be maybe a one, once a month or once every other month because it's a long way. And so my mother, my grandmother, didn't know truth. And so they had a couple families were coming over for dinner and they were all eating and having a great time. And they decided let's pray a little bit before uh, we go home. And they started praying and my grandmother started prophesying. She didn't even know anything about it. She started prophesying and everybody in the whole place thought she was nuts because she didn't know anything. She started quoting scripture that she didn't even know that was in the Bible. She says this. She said, she said, I didn't even know that they were scriptures. I was just praying and all of a sudden I just started praying forcefully and out loud and I started quoting scriptures that I didn't even know that were in the Bible. She began to quote Acts 2.38. She began to quote one God scriptures. She began to say this, that there's only one God 
She began to quote all this. And when she got through praying, they said, hey, uh, we don't know where you got all this, but uh, you're nuts. And so they really distanced themselves from her. It was in one of those prayer meetings like this that she received the Holy Ghost and started talking in tongues. And then they really thought she was nuts. And they thought, look, uh, this is crazy. My mother met my dad. And and he said, look, I'm really interested in you. I'd like to marry you as long as you don't act like your mother. And she said, don't worry. I don't want to have anything to do with anything that my mother is doing. Because my mother had found someone who believed that there was one God, that believed in the infilling of the Holy Ghost. She heard about the, uh, the revival that was in Azusa that moved out into Kansas. She had heard about it, and she had found someone that baptized her in the name of Jesus, and she was filled with the Holy Ghost, and she started studying the Bible. Mom, my mother, didn't have anything to do with it. So my dad said, all right, I'll marry you. And so they moved to this little town just outside town. And as they were driving to their house, she drove by this building and said, oh, no. He said, what? He said, that's one of those churches right there, and we live right there. So they just said, look, we're not going. We're not acting like that. We're not doing it. Don't worry. So... Uh, they only had one car. My dad was went to work. My mother was had, I think, two kids at the time. And uh, my oldest two, uh, the, our oldest, my sister and my brother, our oldest ones. And uh, they were very young. And she was carrying them down to the laundromat to do their laundry. And forgot that the bus didn't run past a certain time. And got all the way down there and had no ride home. She knew no one in the, in the city. She didn't know their numbers or anything like that. The only... <laughs> the only way that she could get a hold of somebody was she remembered that church's name. And so at 8 or 9 o'clock at night when it's dark and she can't walk three or four blocks home with two kids and all their laundry, she calls the church and the pastor's wife agrees to come get her and take her home. And as they drove by the building, the pastor's wife said, oh, by the way, that's our church right here. And she said, oh, I know. I know that's your church. She said, well, we're right in the big middle of revival. She said, we have an evangelist like me. That, that's here preaching. Nobody likes him. Uh, but uh, he's preaching. And w- 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 would you come? She said, I felt obligated to go because this woman had come pick me up. So she told her husband, I'm sorry, babe. She said, but uh, they, they invited us to this church. I felt so bad because she come pick us up. I told her that we would come to this. He said, all right, we'll just go once and that's, that'll be it. So they came and they sat down in this church service the very first night. Oh, Lord. And the Bible was being preached and people were worshiping and shouting, having a great time. And all of a sudden they gave an altar call. And my mom said she had already made up my 
mind that she didn't care if my dad was going to be saved or not that she was going to be saved and she said she ran down one side and ran down and she said I prayed and I prayed and I finally got the Holy Ghost she said I was scared half to death to turn back around she said but I did and I couldn't find my husband and she said well he's already left and they tapped her on the shoulder and said no he's over there my dad had received the Holy Ghost the very first time he had ever stepped foot in a church in his life and he got the Holy Ghost right here and she got the Holy Ghost over here and then they had some more kids and here I am it wasn't because I'm the best kid it's not because I'm the greatest somewhere somebody responded to God and I'm here because of mercy My wife, my, my wife's mom and dad, first generation Pentecostals. My wife's mom and dad. My wife's dad was a hippie. My, my, my mother-in-law really still is. <laughs> She's just got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and that's probably all I'll say about that. Um, but my, my father-in-law, uh, was at that famous concert, uh, where Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones were when that one guy tried to kill him. And I think the, uh, uh, Hell's Angels jumped on him and, and, and he either killed that man or something. It was a very famous, uh, uh, concert and he was there and he said one day, he said, God asked him a question. Is this what you want? He said, now look. My, my, my family was Catholic, but they weren't practicing anything. I mean, they're Catholic, but they don't, they don't talk to God. They don't talk about God. They don't, he, said, I, he said, I was a drug addict. I dropped out of school. I was in jail. I, I, you know, hitchhiked to Woodstock. All this stuff, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and here he was, and he hears his voice. It says, is this is what you want? And he was like, no, not really. And he said, start dealing with him. So he was in Fresno, California. It's where his, you know, his father is. His father is still a very famous man there in Fresno. He was a lawyer in, in, in some buildings. There, there's some plaques for him and stuff that's still there. Um, he said he, he was there and he was living with a couple of his friends, just, just a party house. They, you know, and he said he was lit there and all of a sudden one of the guys came in that night late and said, hey guys, I got the Holy Ghost tonight. And they were like, do we sniff it, snort it? What, what, what do we do? <laughs> he said, no, no, I'm talking about that. I want to try. <laughs> he thought, hey, is any kind of drug? I don't care, a ghost, whatever. Shoot me up with it, you know what I'm saying? And so he said, well, what is it? He, he explained to him because somebody had knocked on the door and said, hey, I'm inviting people to church. And he was like, okay, that's fine. I'll go to church with you. you know? <laughs> he didn't even care. He said, I'll go to church. There's nothing else to do but do drugs and party, and I'll go to church. So I went to church and got the Holy Ghost. Come home, told my father-in-law about it, and my father-in-law went to church. Single, about 19 years old, in a pair of shorts, ponytail all the way down his back, and a tank top and flip-flops. And he got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and he came home and told the other person that was living there. And they all got the Holy Ghost, a whole party house. All of them got the Holy Ghost. Almost every last one of those guys that got the Holy Ghost are preachers today. 
My father-in-law, not about four years later, became the assistant pastor to that church. A little while later, went and started a church and just retired after 30 years of pastoring a church in Visalia, California. My mother-in-law, my mother-in-law was a hippie, and her family is a little nuts. Really not a little. <laughs> uh, whoo. Every once in a while, I look at my wife and tell her, hey, I just want to let you know it stops here. <laughs> it's going to stop with your mother. <laughs> I plead the blood in Jesus' name right here. We're breaking that generational Curse right here. <laughs> and thank God it's working. Now, every once in a while, I had to come and call her by her mother's name <laughs> and sleep on the couch for a week, but it works. <laughs> she graduated from high school, and there was a knock on the door. And a guy opened the door, and he was from their high school. She was in the room. She didn't really hear anything. She just heard someone knock and started talking. Well, he was from the high school, and he came and said, Hi, Peggy. He said, You know me. I'm from high school. And she goes, Yeah, I remember you. And uh, he, he said, I just want to let you know that uh, I went to church, and I got the Holy Ghost. So what I'm doing is I'm going to every person that I know that was in my high school, and I'm inviting them to church with, to go with me. Would you go to church or would you let me teach you a Bible study? The mom, which is my uh, mother-in-law's mom, and Peggy, which is my crazy aunt, my aunt, she, they laughed at her, him, and slammed a door in the face and was laughing at him when my mother-in-law walked out of the room and said, who was that? He said, oh, that was so-and-so from a school. You remember him? Yeah, I remember him. He said, yeah, he, he wanted us to go to church and wanted to give us a Bible study. And they started laughing and cutting up. And she said, Oh, really? And so she hurried and opened the door and walked outside. And she said, hey, uh, I, I'll go. It was to the same church that my father-in-law got the Holy Ghost at. And she came and she got the Holy Ghost. And they got married and had this beautiful daughter. <laughs> and I met her by the grace and the mercy of the Lord. <laughs> and thank God she was half blind <laughs> before she had LASIK surgery. And now she's stuck. <laughs> thank God. But I met her and now we have children that don't know anything about all of that life. I want to tell you, I tell them everything. Every day, it's not because your mom and dad have been so good. We've made mistakes. We're not the best. We're not the brightest. I'm not the greatest brother. I really am not. I've got a brother. Both brothers are lost, but I'm not the most talented. I can't sing as good as they can. I'm not as good as them, but somehow I'm saved. I want to tell you if my children are going to be saved, it's not just because God had mercy on me. It's that God had mercy on them too. I don't know how you got here today. I don't know your story. I don't know the journey that led you to this church, but I'm going to tell you it's an undeniable gift of mercy that your road led you all the way here let's stand together I don't know how you got here today I don't know who your mother is 
I don't know how many opportunities you've had. I don't know the road that you took to get here. I don't know if you're just here because someone said, hey, if you come, I'll buy you a steak. And you're like, okay. Sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> and you're here, and you're looking around and thinking, uh-uh. <laughs> Not me. But yet in the back of your mind, you're trying to act all tough. And you're trying to act like, but you're feeling the presence of the Lord to start talking to you and dealing with you and pulling on you. And you say, look, I didn't even ask for this. I don't even really know about all this God. I don't know if he's one, three, nine. I don't, I don't know what his name is. I don't know if, if you guys are correct. or I don't, I don't really know all that stuff. But, I, but there's something that has begun to talk to you and move on you. And I want to tell you what that is. That is the greatest gift of mercy that God could ever give you. That you, not knowing one thing, that God would begin to draw you and to say, hey, I want to save you. I know you don't understand me yet. I, don't, I know that you may not have plans for me in the future, but I, I've got plans for your future. I want to tell you this today. I don't know you. I don't, I don't know where you're from. I don't, I don't know your story. I don't know how you got here. I, I don't know if you're here because your wife drug you here. I, I, I'm serious. I was, I was pastoring a church for a little while, and I remember this guy came to church. The first time he ever came to church, and I looked at him back then, I was like, I nearly passed out. He's here. And I walked back there and I was like, hey, it is really good to see you in church. He's like, yeah, she made me. And he was looking like, like fearful. He was like, she, she made me. And I looked at her and she goes, yeah. I told him that if he didn't come this morning, I was leaving him. Because <laughs> he was a drunk. And he was running their whole family, running their kids, running their credit, running their, I and mean, didn't work. He was just, a louse. He was just useless. She had tears running down her cheeks. She said, I told him, you don't come to church today. I'm not staying with you anymore. I'm tired of this. I looked at him. I was like, well, welcome to church. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, well, I don't know how to cook. <laughs> and so I'm here trying to save not just my marriage, but my life. <laughs> And we got to worshiping. And the presence of the Lord started moving. And I watched him grab a chair and stand there and look around. And he was smiling at everybody. You could see he was like, oh, God, these people are nuts. I mean, I get drunk and see things happening, and I don't see this. <laughs> I mean, they're running, and nobody is chasing them. <laughs> That one's crying. This one's laughing out loud. This one ain't even doing nothing. He's just sitting there. I don't understand the range of emotion in this house. But I watched him, and all of a sudden, in the middle of something moved on me, and I said, you know what? If you would just lift your hand right where you are 
and start praying, I believe that God would fill you with the Holy Ghost. You know what this man does? He literally was looking me square in the eye. And he just lifted his hands like this right here and started looking at me just with wide eyes. And he went to talk and he started talking in tongues so fluently and talked in tongues for 15 minutes with his eyes wide as it could be looking square at me. I want to tell you today that God got his number. God said, I know you don't know about me, but I know about you. I have mercy on you today. I'm going to love you today. I know you don't know anything about me, but I want to tell you that I loved you before you were born. I loved you before you did one thing, good or bad. I loved you. And it's called the undeniable gift of mercy. I feel the Holy Ghost as it come in this house right now. I feel the Holy Ghost as it begins to sweep into this building. Why don't you lift your hands and praise Him right now? Why don't you lift your hands and thank God that He's come to save you right now? Come on. All over this house, why don't you praise Him? All over this house, why don't you praise Him right now? Come on, I believe that God's going to save somebody right now. I believe that God wants to touch somebody in this house today. Come on, church, pray today. Come on, church, pray today. In the name of Jesus, I want to pray that you care for me this much. Come on, church, let's pray together. Come on, can somebody pray? Can somebody talk to God? Can somebody love God today? In the name of Jesus, come on, somebody pray. Come on, somebody pray. That's it, young people. That's it, somebody. I know that you may not have wanted to come here, but God has got your number today. God has called your name. God has been moving on you, and he wants to save you. He wants to bless you. He wants to help you today. Come on, if you're feeling the presence of God move on you, why don't you lift your hands and worship the Lord right now? If you feel like it, why don't you step out from where you are and walk to this front and lift your hands all over this house as a sign of saying, God, I'm surrendering my life to you. Come on, church, look around you. There are people that are praying. There are people that are crying. There are people that are reaching to God. Why don't you find somebody and pray them through? Why don't you find somebody and pray for somebody and understand that God is loving somebody right now. God is moving on somebody right now. God is changing somebody's life right now. Come on, can you give him one more? Let's let one more wave of his presence move in this house right now. Come on, somebody respond to the great mercy of God. Somebody respond to the reaching of God to your spirit and soul. Come on. He's putting some things together today. We're not going to rush past this. God's putting some things together right now. He's saving people right now. He's putting families together right now. He's putting hearts and minds and spirits together right now. In the name of Jesus. 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 Come on, somebody. <laughs> He's in this house. <laughs> don't let this opportunity pass you by. Come on, somebody. Don't let this opportunity pass you by today. Let him touch you. Respond to him. Oh, respond to him. 
Come on, if you believe that, sing it. Come on, if you believe it, let it be a prayer. Let it be a response to God right now. Let it be a response to God's mercy. I don't deserve it, Lord, but thank you. I didn't expect it, but thank you. Come on, somebody. Somebody say it.